This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, we are back with you. It's Kelly and Ramya, the Thursday edition of the show. Did you have to remind yourself it wasn't Wednesday or Friday, Kels? Uh, Once. Once? Pretty good. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, yesterday was twice. I think. I think I when you and I were having that whole eighth and ninth conversation. Mm. What the heck? I what the heck? And and at some point, yeah, around then, I thought, oh yeah, this is. Oh no, it was today because you mentioned Michael being on oh, the show, see? and I said, no, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's not bad. Uh, I think that this week has and continues to fly by, which is always really nice. And Friday's around the corner. So back into that weekend. And then you can think of it as that extra little bit of the holiday you wish you had more of. So in your favorite month of January In my favorite month of January with all 31 days. Kels, tell me about the current state of your phone case slash screen protector. What's going on there? Truth case only. is awesome. Screen protectors on the work phone and the personal phone are, I don't know. They're the same, you know, the glass ones. And they just Gorilla don't glass? have the durability. I don't know what the glass uh, one means No, I think, I think this is Balcom. I think, I, okay. think, I think that's what the company's name is. Right. And um, they just, to me, um, don't hold up as good as the cheaper plot. I, I, mine scratched a bit and really cracked a little and really in different spots and easily done. I, I don't even know how, especially the work phone, how it actually happened. Do you ever replace your cases or your screen protectors before moving on to the next iteration of the phone upgrade? Generally, no. Okay. I just let it fall you apart and everything it. like that. Yes. You know? You know, and it looks like it makes the uniqueness, and as a blind person, it's easier yeah. just to grab it up like, oh, this is mine. You know, versus... I know. <laughs> yeah. My... Who's this? Somebody left one on the table. My phone case is not doing really well either. Uh, at first, it was just one corner that was falling apart. And it's one of these new cases where they try to put in the absorption as well as the hard shell mm. into one. Not like the old OtterBox where it was like two parts to the yes. method. Uh, anyways, yeah. First, it was just one corner. That's fine. Six months later, two corners, but on opposite, like, diagonal ends. So I was like, okay, there's still absorption enough, I think. You know, we're 50% covered. Um, Your screen protector's okay, though? I don't have a screen protector. Oh. oh, oh yeah. Uh, so uh, oh, I'm feeling actually some physical scratches on my phone. But, hey, I don't really need to look at it anyway. So that's what I keep telling myself. But you know what'll happen? You'll go on a train or somewhere where you want them to scan your ticket, and it'll screw it up. Yeah. Oh, I never even thought about that. Like QR codes and being screwed up. And I don't know how up. much that happens, but yeah, exactly. It'll mm. be that one spot where it comes well, up. Well, that's when I would replace my phone, my I guess. <laughs> so now it's a race to, like, do I think my phone needs an upgrade because of the software or because I refuse to uh, upgrade my my case and the hardware is going to fall apart soon? It seems ridiculous to upgrade, you know. I mean, like three years, though. I feel like, like I could. Yeah, but oh my. But you know you're going to get rid of the phone soon and get another one. True. That's exactly what I mean. Right? That's where yeah. I hold out, yeah. saying, ah, forget it. Just beat up with this old beat up one. <laughs> exactly. Hey, other people have some interesting things to share with us as well. So let's see what's coming up on today's show. 
talking about a New Jersey couple who welcomed a set of twins who were born not only on different days and different times, but different years. So Jeff Ryman is going to tell us more about that because it's a what in the world story. All right. Governor General Mary Simon recently announced 78 new appointees to the Order of Canada. Laura Bain is going to join us in a little bit to tell us more. And stick around for the weekly roundtable. That's way later in hour two of the show. Mark Phoenix is going to be back. We took him off the buzz, but he will be here for the roundtable. And Kelly's got some topics for us that we will go through. Uh, all right, thousands of doctors, on a very serious note, thousands of doctors have walked off the job in Britain in the start of a six-day strike that's set to be the longest in history for the state-funded National Health Service. NHS managers say tens of thousands of scheduled appointments and operations will be cancelled during the walkout overpay by junior doctors who form the backbone of hospital and clinic care in the country. Senior doctors and other medics have had to be drafted in to cover for emergency services, critical care and maternity services. NHS-linked official Julian Hartley says the strike has come at a tough time immediately after the Christmas and New Year period with its precious and demands and of course he says we've got flu we've got covid charles de la desma london interesting that very reactive sounding um you know response from the people who were like "Uh oh this is a big problem and we <laughs> all the time talk about you know why couldn't we have gotten somewhere when it wasn't a problem or when people were expressing that it was a problem and not just that the consequences were going to be strikes and you know not to compare in context of importance at all but just in parallel we talked about that uh, you heard about the you know Christmas and New Year's this is a terrible time of year for people to go on strike as if you know there's a better time of year that people could go on strike I mean they're asking for what they're asking for cows yeah, and unfortunately, we're talking medical, so everybody already looks bad. Oh, well, Gosh, what about yeah. our care and everything like that? Well, what about my care? What about my family? What about what I've been through over the last yeah. four or five years trying to medically deal with things? There was a point where we were very appreciative, very thankful of our medical people. And then, of course, we go back to governments abusing them. And I mean, here you see this whole situation. It sounds like what the way we do things in Canada. Closing emergency, doing this. Oh, yeah, let's react if we do react after it's happened. Yes, And yes. then mull it over and think, hmm, yeah. what could we do about it? And how do we expect people to step into these roles? You know, let's quickly train a whole yeah. bunch of other people to well, do the kinds of things. Well, people from other countries that will make it hard for them to get jobs to come yeah. in and step right in. We'll yeah. say, well, yeah, but you have to spend $20,000 being retrained so we can qualify you here. Yeah, what does that even mean to be retrained yeah. to qualify to then hire you to yeah. then deal with the people who are already on strike? I mean, there's so many layers to why we ought not to let things get to the way they are in this case. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's neither here nor there, so <laughs> useless commentary. Let's uh, take a break and come back with Michael Fair. Mike joins us every week for audio entertainment and tech, and today he's talking about the simple app that Apple has just released to keep on top of your mental health game. That is the new journal app on iOS. We'll be right back with that on Kelly and Ramia. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. Thanks for continuing to tune in as we get through some 
very juicy conversations and information this time around on the Thursday edition of the show. And uh, Kelly McDonald I and I, yeah. I would just like to take a moment sure. to say Fedora's off to the gang over at Double Tap. And the illustrious guests that were on their show today, we sat in for a two-hour discussion because, of course, it's Inter International World Braille Day, mm -hmm. recognizing the importance of Louis Braille's creation for all of uh, us who, who use Braille and more, and what that contribution has done to the world, um, whether it be Braille through paper braille or, or Braille through technology. Yes. Um, wonderful show today. I believe it's repeated uh, later on, the two-hour block again on AMI-audio, so do check that out. You will can find that on the schedule, AMI-plus. Uh, you can find it over there, .ca, AMI-plus.ca. Um, but I really wanted to thank the other panelists. Grant was one of them, uh, Elizabeth Muller, uh, Kim Kilpatrick, our, our, of course, committee reporter on the program, and then Sean and Stephen and the multiple guests that, that were on there and contributions from people. Really nice. Thanks for including me over there at AMI-audio in this really interesting topic. Awesome. Check it out. And of course, Louis Braille, happy birthday to you. So let's get into some mental health conversation. We've been looking forward to this chat on the new journal app, highly anticipated on the latest iOS. And Mike Fair has checked it out and he wants to review it. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, this is basically Apple's new um, simple app to help us keep on top of our mental health game and keep track of how we're feeling. And this is, we talked about journaling in general over time with lots of other apps, including Day One, which is a top hit. But this is an app embedded into iOS 17. So what's the basic idea, in your opinion, on an app built for journaling? Well, any uh, you can journal in a notes app. You could use a word processor. I mean, there's been apps even before these apps were started to, to appear. But basically, the, the thing with journal apps is they have to give you more to encourage you and help you to journal, to actually think about your life, to uh, you know journal on, keep up journaling habits, to encourage deeper thinking. So these apps, uh, they have they facilitate journaling. So they they have questions or prompts to facilitate your writing so you're not like, what do I write now? Uh, mm -hmm. There's You can attach audio, video, health information, mood information, location, pictures. So uh, they, they facilitate that. So you can like you can put uh, material from your life in there uh, to reflect back on. Uh, they usually have some privacy and security features to make sure your information stays safe. That's the kind of thing you find in a dedicated journaling app. Wow. It's interesting to me as someone who doesn't journal, but understanding totally being able to do some of those things, especially when you talk about a comment, a piece of audio or video, um, and then to go back and look at that and think you know, where you were or what, what use that is to you, whether it's keeping track of stuff or for the, the mental health piece. Now, Ramya mentioned uh, some of the apps that you have brought forward, some of the different methods over the, the years of you being on the show. How does this journal app from Apple distinguish itself from the many others that have been around for years? 
Well, journal apps do a lot of these these things. What Apple does, what Apple really brings that's new is the machine learning available on your phone, that artificial intelligence uh, that is monitoring, keeping track of all the different things to, to make it as smooth an experience for you to use that phone as possible. And it's totally private on your phone. So uh, Apple is saying, hey, we'll get this app and we'll make, put the machine learning to work for you uh, so it will try and and you know make suggestions based on what it observes of your life, music you listen to, health, uh, all those different things that it tracks, location, who you're near, all kinds of things that can track if you let it. And uh, you know Apple has a brand. It, it's a core core keystone of its its current branding and sales is privacy. It's people who are concerned about privacy. You know Apple is saying, look, we're not using this information for anything else. So they'd have a ton to lose if anyone's private thoughts ever have, you can have some trust that Apple is leveraging all its security to keep that data private and won't misuse it or it will lose face. It will, it will, there will be consequences if something goes wrong there. Yeah, that could so really a lot hurt of third, a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of third-party apps, you know, will collect that data and you're not as sure, right? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen based on what they do. So you really have to read their uh, you know, their guarantees and, and things and, and think about who do you want to trust with your information? So Apple's got a really good thing in terms of leveraging all that. I mean, it's not even just your words and thoughts. It's literally your music, your, what you're watching, what it predicts your mental state to be at some point. You know, it, it'll probably be prompting you based on what it thinks you're already feeling with all the AI and machine learning. So, yeah. yeah it would make yeah. you almost wonder. You'd almost wonder... Like if you get compromised in your banking app, obviously a bad it, it thing. It just feels in a so lot personal. Ways, but it almost seems more personal. It does. It feels very, yeah. very intrusive already to be just trusting yeah. the journal app and iOS or Apple altogether, and then thinking about what if this stuff gets leaked is pretty massive. So why does Apple think that people won't find it creepy uh, that you know they're asking you to write about things that happened to you? But basically, they're banking on people being familiar with their security and, and realizing and their branding. So you have to buy into Apple's message that it's not using this information for anything. It's basically your phone learning about you with machine learning and putting that information to use to make suggestions to help you live a better life. It's Apple say, you know, making its money, offering a service to you. You know, you've invested in this very expensive iPhone. This is a perk that you get, you know, a value add that you get based on that investment. So Apple, it's this isn't the thing that Apple will make direct money on. This is if you're more happy with your iPhone, your chances are you'll buy the next one. It's a longer term game that they're playing. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, Mike, because it's so important, as you guys have mentioned, with the mental health, to be having somewhere to go to share these thoughts and things in our world of technology as it stands now. But you would almost, because of so many people, whether it's the police warning you about this call, this person, this app, or you would almost feel foolish trusting or don't want to later be told, well, why would you trust an app like that? You are trust foolish. That. So it's, yeah. a, it's a heck of a game that these folks at Apple are taking on because you're fighting against so many things that many of us have been taught for years, long before technology. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but if you want, jump into the layout, please, of the journal app. Well, the, yeah. Well, the, the only comment I'd make there is, you know, Apple has taken massive steps to, you know, to, you know, fight for people's privacy. They yep, went yep. against the government 
to try mm-hmm. and keep our information safe and not have to make a backdoor yep. for government agencies. Law enforcement. So they've, they've walked the walk. Yes. And uh, even in a lot of ways. even if you think about just the history of Apple leveraging uh, our trust in other areas, right? Like physical health, like um, wearables, like just saying, you know, implement our ecosystem into your phones, your computers, your iPads, your wearables, your earphones. Like people are invested in the ecosystem. So why not push it to this yeah. level, right? Exactly, and nothing's happened based on their fitness information. Mm-mm. No one's, uh, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's a wimp, let's rob him kind of thing. That kind right. of stuff doesn't happen because nope. of what Apple's done already. Right. So there's, they've built trust. Yep. They've, they've, yep. Uh, yep. So, and as people so should feel comfortable to do that. But anyway, yes, sir, the layout. Yeah, the layout of the app. Okay, so it's very simple. Uh, the journal entries are stacked on top of each other from most recent to oldest going down, and each have a heading, so you can use that rotor, turn the rotor to headings, flick down to flick through your entries, to go back uh, and you can also filter there's a filter button at the top left and you can filter by you know different bookmarks if you bookmark some of the entries that are important then you can filter for that and just see those entries uh, by audio by location a whole bunch of different choices there on the bottom right on the bottom there's there's uh, a compose button and that gets you to the composition screen so is screen so it's a very very simple layout no tabs to worry about or anything good uh, what's the entry composition screen like? So the first thing you get to is is uh, uh, choices. There are a bunch of choice buttons that you can flick through and double tap on the one you want. And uh, so you've got new entry is the first one, and that gets you to a blank uh, text field. You can just start typing. If you flick past that, if you keep going right, there are recommended uh, moments from your life. And the more the longer you use the app, the more uh, personal stuff it has. But you basically can have uh, recent or, or recommended and or moments it's noticed, like where I visited my family for Christmas. I said, what did you think of when your trip, your trip to Hamilton, right? So it knew where I went and said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Uh, and then there are reflection questions you can choose. What would you choose as a name if you had to pick a new name? Something like mm-hmm. that. So there's a series of those. You can flick down uh, on with the rotor to access more options. And with the reflection questions, that gets you to an option that uh, basically shuffles them so you get fresh reflection questions. So uh, that's that's kind of how that goes. And in, in, in the more personal suggestions will come as the app learns about you. So wow. It's so interesting. Layout. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what people need. You need that ability to go in, do your thing while you're thinking in the moment. After you pick an option, Mike... Is an edit field all there is? No. Once you pick an option, there is a series of tools in addition to that edit field. So you can just type in that edit field, and if you picked a suggestion, it'll be at the top for you to review. Uh, you can also add, uh, there are tools to let you add an audio recording, a location, and, and a few other things, uh, photos, music, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, then there's a, a done button at the top left when you're done, when you're happy with the entry. So that's that's basically what's there. And you can actually call back the suggestions if you want the suggestions again. There's a tool to, to re-summon them as well. So you've got a few things down uh, past the edit field that are these tools. Mm. I mean, I, I know they're not necessarily bells and whistles because people do interact this way, like even just with social media posts and such, right? We're always adding multimedia to our posts. It's never just text anymore, but I'm such a minimalist when it comes to journaling that uh, I wish that there were ways to just not 
have all these extra options unless I really, really wanted to add them. But I guess they're just going to stick around anyway, right? Uh, kind of like Pretty format you, options. You, you can, uh, there are settings you can skip. You can set it so it skips the suggestions and plunks you right into the Right into just a screen. quick, yeah. Because so, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the so way I'm thinking about do. it, Mike, you know, a lot of people, this is not the norm, right? Daily reflections is not the norm. So uh, to get into that, you wonder if you can make it easy as possible but then on the other side of the spectrum you're like yeah but make it fun for people to add their yeah, i think you yeah. have to make it normal such. because most people are doing it they're going on x or wherever and yep. putting stuff where we say oh my gosh why would you ever tell them everyone every year because they're not the doing do it that? on a journal exactly. yeah, show yeah. it on your journaling app yeah. yeah yeah but it is cool <laughs> that they've made it so easy for you to add everything right in there um are there any limitations to the journal app you can't import or export to third-party journal apps. So you can't take your day one journal that you kept uh, for years and import it into this. I was going to ask you about uh, that. That's that's one thing. Uh, you can. Uh, it's only on the iPhone right now, so that's another kind of limitation at the moment. Uh, also, shared assets. Uh, if you if you decide if you're in photos and you decide, oh, I want to make a journal entry based on this photo, you can only add that one photo to that journal entry. Uh, if you're sharing from outside the app. But if you make a journal app inside, then you can go and add more than one asset to an entry. So that's a bit of a quirky limitation that you'd think Apple would remove at some point. So there's there's a few yeah. things uh, like that that, uh, that have uh, kind of... Uh, also, the searching is another thing. Searching back through entries doesn't have massive search facilities. Uh, you just basically can filter and then look for things like bookmarks or look for entries with different characteristics to sort of narrow it down. Uh, so uh, be sure to bookmark any important entries that you might want to go back to at some point. So Mike, this is okay. really, yeah. really geared for, yeah. for reflecting as you go forward more than looking back. I'd looking say. back. And that's an interesting choice. Mike, do you want to quickly, quickly, if you can, give it, get into settings really quick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a few settings. You can choose to lock your journal so that you need your face or touch ID to uh, to access it. Also, you can choose to uh, have suggestions skipped so that you don't see them. You can just start writing. Uh, scheduling, you can choose to be reminded to journal to make it the normal thing to do in life. Uh, so you can set, I want to be reminded at such and such times, right? And have it pop up in your notifications. So Fantastic. those are uh, the main ones. You can also choose uh, monitoring uh, and, and privacy. If you go into privacy settings and you, you'll see a journal suggestions, you can basically choose what uh, is monitored to come up with suggestions and what you don't want monitored. If, if it like makes you nervous to have something, one of the aspects of your life checked up on by your phone's intelligence, you can say, no, I don't want that <laughs> and turn it off. So you have full control over that. Good. I, at least they're going on with that customization, making people people, uh, making sure people have the option to opt in, opt out in all the different ways that they're making possible, Mike, because we know this is kind of new for Apple, right? Not just saying, yeah. this is it. This is all we're yeah. giving you. Awesome. Thank you so much for covering this app. We were really looking forward to it. And um, of course, as it upgrades, you will continue and keep us posted. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you then. Mike Fair joins us on Thursdays. We cover audio entertainment and tech. Pretty much anything and everything in that realm of Convo. After the break, we have What in the World, where we flip through quirky stories. And one of the stories today is about a New Jersey couple who's welcomed a set of twins who were born in two different years. I'm sure you can guess the premise around that. Jeff Ryman's here with What in the World after the break on Kelly and Ramia. 
Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramya, and um, we just finished talking about the Journal app on iOS 17, now available, first iteration of the app. And obviously, it means that things are very new, Kels. That question about importing and exporting from other journal apps, I was really hoping that it was a different answer around that because people who, <laughs> yeah, people like myself who already use existing journal apps who may want to, you know, transfer things over, merge, implement into just the ecosystem as we know it with Apple, because it is familiar, right? You're thinking that the app is sure. quite similar to the native apps you're already used to on Apple and think, okay, perfect, it'll hopefully be seamless, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna go and search a, or start brand new on another app when I've already got something going on. Yeah, see, and that's kind of what I wonder when Mike was talking about searching backwards. It's almost as if the Apple journal app is just kind of decided or the, the the creators no why do people want to look back we want you starting here yeah. we want to make it easy enough but yeah. someone in your position who for, for what your whatever your reasons are your business i want to bring that over here why why am i bothering doing a journal for the last seven years exactly when i, I want it here for for i don't know in 10 years if i want to look back and these are I subscriptions right like day yeah. one for example is a subscription so uh if you want to get rid of or move on into the apple ecosystem and just keep everything nice and tidy over there you think okay i'll get rid of what i'm already doing but that's archive of a whole bunch yes. of stuff you already have. So it's yeah. kind of like and cloud services, right? Like well, why keep everything everywhere? Exactly, but it seems weird to me because it's the same device. You know what I mean? Okay, if yeah. you said to me you had something over on an Android, why, could, why couldn't you bring it over from one app oh, to that yeah, absolutely. Long as, as long as it fit the security? Absolutely. Right? Like I get maybe there's a security reason why they don't want to do that or or something that's embedded. Right. I, maybe I just a, a timing thing, right? Like yeah. the, it's going to take them a while. I would imagine some kind of embedded encryption thing is the issue mm -hmm. since it's mm -hmm. third party. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's welcome in to talk what in the world subjects today, Jeff Bryman. He's filling in as Grant Hardy is away, so let's welcome him on board. Jeff. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you, pal? I'm, you know what? I'm doing good. Whenever I can do this segment, it makes my day. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, collecting these articles, I absolutely love. So mm -hmm. I've got four. I'm not sure if we'll be able to make it through four, like I always say, but we can try. Yeah, let's the first three are so funny. All right, let's go. <laughs> No, he's going to say, no, because you guys just pulled the same nonsense you did yesterday. Oh, with we me. talked about stuff yeah, for five minutes. Oops, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we learned nothing on the show. Well, I'm waiting to hear Megan in our ear say five minutes. So it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, funny enough, the first one does talk a little bit about time management. Maybe not time management, but time in general. Uh, of wow. course, this last weekend was uh, the new year, but... Like you guys teased, there was a New Jersey couple that welcomed a set of twins on not only separate days, but in separate years. I feel like something like this happens typically on a yearly basis. I think I've brought something like this before in, in a previous year, but regardless, like it, it still baffles me as, you know, this could potentially be a thing. Um, so Urza Humphrey was born at 1148 p.m. on December 31st in New Jersey, uh, giving him the same birthday 
but here's another plot twist as their father bill um mm -hmm. so not only did their dad celebrate a birthday on the 31st they welcomed their first twin on the same day and of course when you have twins you're expecting to have two on the same yeah. day but that didn't quite happen as ezekiel was born at 12 28 a.m on wow. january 1st so imagine that like you know you're in, in there's a quote here um from the father he says that i was very excited about the potential of having my boys on my birthday uh we went in that day and i wasn't quite sure if they're going to come out today or not but having one of them at least on my birthday was a huge Aww. blessing and a gift. So yes, and that child will sons. remind you, as I do my did my father before he passed, <laughs> that I was the greatest birthday gift you ever had because we shared the same day. And yes, he better and always, do that. I find that so cool uh, when a parent can share the birthday. I mean, maybe yeah. it, it depends on the family, I guess. <laughs> if they want to have their own individual well, I hope yeah, it's fun when it's the dad they weren't going through labor yeah. on their birthday but if it's the mom then you kind of oh, think that's wow why mom had what 40 what some minutes there between children memory. and yeah. and I hope they don't gang up on poor Ezekiel well you weren't born on the same day you weren't even <laughs> born in the same year and does that mean that's just actually mean. a year they're almost a year apart in age then yeah. yeah yeah i mean like in, in like and this is what got me thinking like not only is it just a, a weird situation um between having two twins born on separate days and separate years same birthday as their dad but i was also thinking like how would school work like they're two different right. birth years so yes. uh the firstborn ezra would be you know probably in grade one at some point and then ezekiel who's a year behind would be still in kindergarten like you know mm. like at, at some point well like, i think you... though they have that if you were born after a certain date like sure. i think that's how they kind of figure that out but yeah. i think later in life jeff when you're talking id and stuff like that that yeah. and you say that you're a twin if you have to say like medically and things like what, what do you mean you're a twin you're in two different years we'd like to see your yeah. brother and talk about this health issue no no but but we're twins sure you are um because i would think it happens reasonably often that a baby's born at you know eleven fifty eight and another one born at 1203 when you have twins i mean other not when it's a separate year but yeah. separate days at least throughout the year but wow what complications paperwork wise for the parents oh, and the I, children know, going I know i know it, it it's still wild but yeah i mean just going forward i'm curious to see how they navigate all that i hope we get like an update from, from this type of stuff in like 18 years from now or something like when they're going right. to college like <laughs> you know when, when the, do they graduate at the same time i'd assume they probably go to school and stuff together like yeah know, i would think so parents and have for the all intents and purposes and everybody else they're the same birthday and then people probably won't think of it oh yeah. really yeah yeah until well, someone told it 12 minutes 12 minutes was the cutoff 11 48 p.m on december 31st their first was born so 12 minutes Aww. you know it, it, it it's wild it's wild what time can do um i want to move on um this one's actually really funny uh, and it takes us uh international as well an australian man said it took six months of training to break an unusual record uh, which was the fastest time to put on 10 pairs of underpants um i i am not sure why that would take six months of rigorous training or rigorous training i should say um but we do have a video and i'm going to credit uh visual producer megan for this as she was able to find a clip of him breaking the record so if we have that uh let's go ahead and check it out 
Okay, so, so what we were is he putting it over see... them, Jeff? Yeah, so yeah. he's got a pair of underwear already on, and you can hear the person in the background counting, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. And he's literally, he's got underwear lined up on the ground, basically ready to go, and he just steps in them, pulls them up, steps in the next <laughs> one, pulls the next one up, steps in the next one, pulls it up. And this guy has got, like, so many pairs of underwear um, <laughs> in it. So there's 10 pairs in total, and it took him 13.03 seconds to break the record. How do people think of these things, honestly? I don't know, but I when feel and like where? this is where. One... This is one of those things that I feel like I could break. You know, like, let me yeah, train okay. for six months, well, okay, yeah. and then I can be in the world record book. Uh, right. Was this guy taking over another person's record, or was this the first time ever done? Yeah, I, I get, um, you know what, it doesn't say. It says he successfully broke the record, so, which <laughs> oh, yeah. so obviously there was, there was a, a record. There was a record. Yeah. I, no. I'd love to trace it back to, like, the first person who finds the who record doing to that, right? break. Yeah. yeah. I think this is to what I want to do. There. And then be well, like, oh, I dare you to break this record. Like, wow, so, this is insane. Well, why do you think the six months then? I, you know what? That what would your me. practice I, be for? I have like, no like, idea. Other than Maybe tripping, like, Jeff. Speed. No, other yeah, if there's speed, core strength in involved, in the right this way. is a workout, no? Oh, well, sure, uh, but workout. I don't know. He's going pretty fast, so I don't know if it is anymore. That was rather quick. Um, yeah. But it, it's really getting Also, me keeping thinking. a straight face? Like, what if you just well, burst out <laughs> laughing? It, it's, and it sounds like his wife or his girlfriend yeah, or somebody was in the background <laughs> cheering him yes. on. You can do this, babe. Well, <laughs> like, I would think the tricky thing is... It would take for me up. to burst out laughing. Like, I can't believe uh, this like, was done so seriously. He's going pretty fast, guys. Like, when you think yeah, about it, yeah. one, two, like, he's got a step in him, yank him up without step... Like, when you step, don't step on an yeah. edge of one because you'll hear... But that takes practice, I'm saying. Oh god, yeah. yeah. Like that's unbelievable. Oh, maybe they and, had to experiment with like different materials and such to yeah. find or out what would be the best. Putting him in the exact right way for his foot size. Right, maybe right, the way right, he's yeah. got to right. put his foot in his so it kind of actually hooks it up and starts yeah. from going up even before he grabs. And, so we're, we're it's on it screen again, again so for people. people. Yeah, we've, we've got yeah. the B-roll going, and it looks like he's got like this technique where he just I don't know, sort of mm -hmm. shimmies it up and over mm -hmm. his knees onto his. Well, waist, there is a technique then. I'm There's also totally thinking, like, are they all the same underwear, or did he? They have yeah. to have like a softer material at the imagine. beginning and a larger know. by the end, and you know. I don't know if there's criteria for that, but it looks like criteria, you don't want them to but roll method up either, right? Technique. Like you don't, you wouldn't want them to kind of roll to do whatever oh, no. weird things, especially. And are you kind of upping or... the size as you go? The last oh, underwear is bigger than the first. To, you know right? what I mean? Because you'd have so many on you. Oh yeah, it's like there's so much to this, guys. Clearly, he needed six months. Okay, that's why the six months. With it being the new year, this almost makes me wonder, like, we should look up the a, a, a random world record that we think we can beat, and we should try Stop to it. do it. Yeah, we should try to do it at some point on the show. Um, new year, I don't know this is getting, as Kelly would say, pretty plural. I think by we, you mean you. Yeah, yeah sure, Jeffy, I want to see you okay, do this. Okay, good, good. Jeffy, I, I want to see you do I this I could potentially thing. do this. I might throw my back out. Um, <laughs> see, you so, need the training. I still worry about you tripping and falling on your face <laughs> and busting your nose. Or when, you know, like trying to do the, the one, you. the two-legged race or whatever, when you've got in a sack, like the sack race, that's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Man, and you know how you fall doing that nonsense? That's I what I could see it, poor Jeff trying to do. It, it's funny because this reminds me of a show I used to watch on MTV. It was called Robin Big. And what they did is they looked up a bunch of world records in which they thought were breakable. And they actually got somebody from 
the Guinness Book of World Records to come watch them as they attempted to eat like, you know, 15 bananas in a minute or something, you know, something ridiculous oh like that. So there are records out there that you probably have no idea. And we're not talking about like Usain Bolt, you know, his, his yeah, world no, record that no. is impossible to break. Like we're we probably talking ones records. people have forgotten about that are so kind of silly, right. but they got in the book anyway. That's yeah. Right. Like you say, that's something right. like, like who would think about this, right? No one would think I'm going to stack some underwear on my butt, you it's know, and that's what I'm doing. It's stuff that it I is. find. Like there was one where, and they featured this on TV, I guess, where it was like the longest makeout session between a man and a woman. Yes. Like it was, well, I don't know, like a day and a half or something. And I was like, wow, you're losing and, and sleep for this one. And I've heard of that kind of one. stuff years ago. Yes, man. That, like, this was years some ago of that too. Stuff, like, yeah, I think it came out. Well, well. Anyway, on that, Jeff, uh, <laughs> we'll say bye-bye to the nice man and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Always fun chatting with you guys. Take care. Thank you. What in the world? We only got through two. Uh, Jeff Ryland Oof, filling rough. in for Grant Hardy. <laughs> we'll do this again in two weeks. We call the segment What in the World. Um, we're going to talk about a new spinoff restaurant that McDonald's is putting out there. McDonald's is getting a lot of headlines lately. We're going to talk about it in the buzz with Beth Deer after the break. Find out when this new spinoff is opening and what they got going on. Be right back. It's Kelly and Ramia. AMI-TV. It's Kelly and Ramia. We're here with you weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV, 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, and available whenever on your podcast platforms. Kelly McDonald, Ramia Amuthan, uh, we've been basically told that we're wasting a lot of time just chit-chatting. So let's bring on our guests and contributors a little earlier today. Just kidding. With them. Yeah, exactly. And also just <laughs> kidding. We're, we'll do it one in every like six segments. Beth Deer is filling in for Bill Shackleton on The Buzz. The Buzz we have every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to cap off the first hour of the show. And she's here with the articles because that's what Bill usually does. Hey, Beth. Hey, and he does such a good job. It's it's really hard at trying to find stories that, you know, can follow his. Yeah, but that's um, why you go to, like, go-tos like McDonald's, right? <laughs> McDonald's and animals. Exactly. My first yeah. story is good, about good. a bear who, um, the headline reads, a bear squatter evicted from underneath British Columbia home. Mm. So underneath, the biggest thing in the news last year, weren't they? Like, like with everything going I on, and the under, they were like everywhere. Their yeah. takeover. It yeah, was. So it says a British Columbia family says they were shocked to learn the cause of their dog's erratic behavior. <laughs> They're living underneath their house. Um, <laughs> the lady said her family dog, Coco. Oh, good old Coco. That used to be my uh, Beagle's name on my Nintendo. Aww. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo. Um, but, but good old Coco had been acting strangely for a few days, running around the yard and barking at seemingly nothing. Um, they started to suspect Coco uh, was onto something when they heard mysterious noises coming from under their house. Um, her husband crawled underneath the deck and looked under the house where he came face to face with a bear, which I don't think is a position anyone wants to be in. Uh -uh. Uh, Including a puppy. Columbia... Yeah, no kidding. Well, Coco obviously 
had it right because I don't. It doesn't sound like he ever went under the deck. Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> the British Columbia Conservation Officer Officer Services or something like that was summoned to the home and managed to you know scare the bear bear away with like a bunch of loud noises. Um, personally, this is kind of a position that I think would be really cool to be in. You know, being able to. <laughs> sit like see a bear that close but also how terrifying and you know i remember when i first moved to canada i was like oh it'd be so cool to like see a bear and like get up close and then like you know you talk to canadians and you realize like how dangerous that actually is and it's not like a cool thing to do (laughs) no i feel you though because i'm always thinking like if i were to run into a bear but this is like you can't even plan to run into a bear this way you have no idea what's going on under your house. It's not even in the top 30 things you're thinking that, yeah, there's a bear under there. I can't believe the bear got up and left, though. You'd think that it's kind of, um, you know, my territory or what do you call it? Like resource guarding at this point or territory guarding at this point, thinking like, hey, I lived here for a long time now. I'm um, yeah, well, like, I'm used bear to one of like, you guys. More. Well, you would think, too, he's used to them. Yeah, it's not uh, like he's oh, unaware of them. Here, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like they've been walking on his head yeah, for exactly. weeks. This is where I've been hibernating. So why leave me alone? Oh, well, yeah, how dare sorry. you bother my my sleep? But you look like a very nice snack. Do we oh, know okay. how long sorry. he was squatting? No, it doesn't say in the article, but it sounds like it was like it sounds like it could have been over the course of like a few weeks. Like just by the way they like yeah. talk is kind of my assumption. Um, I like wouldn't have up and like gone so quickly if I was the like bear. A few days. No, especially if he was just like chilling under the house sleeping, I'd be like, absolutely not. I'm not moving. <laughs> and that possibly why, too. He might have been dopey and all, like enough to, hey, who's waking me up? What's going on? That it's a little different than when you find them starving or whatever. Right, and true. Say, yeah, yeah exactly. Why don't you come down? And who knows? Like, like, I don't actually, it doesn't actually say like where they live in British Columbia. So, like, he, could have been a pretty cushy position where, like, there was a bunch of food around and, you True. know, he was just very, very, like, happy and comfortable. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like, at least, to me. Um, but anyway, now on to something far more important, food. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, McDonald's is coming out with, like, this spin-off restaurant. Um, it's called Cosmics. It does sound like it's just in the States for now, which, of course, like, everything goes there yeah, first. exactly. Um, yeah, so McDonald's Nostalgia Heavy Restaurant spinoff has um, got fast food fans waiting anxiously for official debut dates. Um, it did say in the article, like, they think there's going to be some in Illinois, but other than that, like, they really don't have any kind of, like, leads on locations. Um, the restaurants will have themes inspired by an alien character named Cosmic, who appeared in McDonald's commercials and advertisements from 1986 to 1992. Holy cow. So, a long, long time ago. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I had, like, never heard him. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't remember this cosmic fellow. When you're saying nostalgia, we're talking about, like, people Holy weren't here anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. So yeah, 1987 okay. commercial called The Story of Cosmic. So like, he's obviously a big deal. Like, they made a story about him. Um, is available a by a commercial back archive. in the days when like, they did that what stuff. What are we talking about? This like, sounds yeah, like... It's probably a show, because McDonald's used to put on these commercials that were almost like their own show. Get out of here. So it probably is like a minute-long commercial. Go look it up on YouTube this later. Sounds like a troll situation to me. Like, are we even talking about a real thing? Okay, go on. <laughs> Um, it didn't happen because so she wasn't here. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> the commercial includes Ronald McDonald and Grimace. Yeah. Do either of you know who Grimace is? I don't. Yep. I remember Grimace. Okay, okay that's good. Like he was the cheeseburger cool. guy, I believe. Because I was about to not believe in this at all. All right. So Grimace came across a strange object that landed in McDonald land. I'll be honest, I didn't even know there was a McDonald land. Um, <laughs> Hand and a head clad in a silver suit pop out and Cosmic appears saying, oh wait, what does he say? He says he is popping in from outer space on a trade mission? Trading some burgers maybe? I don't know. Um, oh, maybe trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, like food probably. That's kind of what it sounds like if he's a McDonald's character. Um, the restaurant is said to be um, a, full, a small format concept so i think this is kind of like leaning towards the fact that they're not going to be doing like big meals right like full menus mcdonald yeah like mcdonald's does um let's get to the exciting part of like what they're actually going to offer on the menu please I'll be honest, that's all that i'm interested in <laughs> um so the menu is going to feature teas lemonades coffees, slushies, and frappes. I'll be going for a frappe, please. Um, <laughs> and signature fruit drinks. Um, one of them being called Galactic Boosts. Mm. I can believe it. Um, <laughs> drinks like turmeric spice latte. Is oh, that even a thing? Oh, my God. What is happening? Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is um, they may be doing a retro theme from the 80s. Or whatever you want and to say it, with this thing. This sounds like a but wellness all the food place. Is not a wet. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say the theory, though, is all today stuff like marketable food, better for you, whatever. I really don't feel like this is McDonald's. Well, what is right, McDonald's doing? I don't doing? get too upset yet because that is like burgers. Stuff. There's okay. a churro frappe, oh, yeah. a sour cherry energy burst, and that's just like mm. some of the drinks. Um, some of the food that's included is a spicy queso sandwich which sounds oh, pretty nice. good. Yeah. A yeah. creamy avocado tomato sandwich, which doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, Again, sounds too tomato. healthy for McDonald's, though. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> pretzel bites and savory hash brown bites, which don't sound oh. too bad either. They are going to no, be doing some of the, like, breakfast stuff. Like, I think they're going to be doing all-day breakfast with, like, egg McMuffins and... Um, you know, they'll add, like, sausage and bacon if that's what you want. And they're going to be offering McFlurries. I'm going to be interested to see if their McFlurry machine is always broken like McDonald's. <laughs> well, really? you know it's going to be, like, cosmic McFlurries, right? Yeah, or moon like, dust what McFlurry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, it did say traditional flavors, but, like, Ginger I know they McFlurries. think Ooh, I honestly, I would not. I would not go. For I'm that. just saying, you know, maybe they're only wellness McFlurries. I'm not sure. Like, I guess they're trying to lean into because they started adding salads and other things. You know, expanding mm -hmm. the McDonald's menu altogether. So maybe Cosmics is just embracing that fully with this apparent nostalgic theme going on and, as well. And it's weird yeah, because and I if you mean... think about 
nostalgia in the sense of age too, and the people who might remember mm -hmm. this. And so let's say they were like 10 years old in, yeah. in 1988, 20, 34. So you get now people at that age who are saying, I need to eat healthier. So yeah, I but why can't they just add their... the healthy stuff into the McDonald's? You know what yeah, I mean? Because McDonald's like is marketing money. ploys, and, and a everybody whole goes retro franchise. anyway. All, all these chains do retro at some point, whether mm. they build a rebuild. Bring the a retro building. into McDonald's, like theme the stuff. They do. But, but that's, that's kind what of they where, where I was going to go with that. Was like they have started to kind of like bring some yeah. nostalgic stuff back. Like the other week, Cody got a, an adult Happy Meal. Exactly. See, have you right. guys seen? I'm those? done with that. Like. Add my saffron iced tea energizer or whatever to that meal, that's, you know? That's like Tim Hortons bringing back some of the donuts that they got rid of, eh? They're doing that. What, the smoke donuts? Around now. Oh, no. no. <laughs> that's, a, that's an isolated uh, little joke. Uh, smoke donuts, yeah. Uh, the smoking days. That's a smoking jacket. Donut. No, like the Dutchie and stuff. Oh. Things they got rid of and people kept... Oh, right, and, and Timmy's, Timmy's didn't say, like, oh, we're going to open a whole different thing with a whole different name and then bring back no. the nostalgia and also oh, make it more anyway. wellness. I'm saying, like, why can't they just add it into McDonald's? Does McDonald's think we don't take them seriously enough so they have to bring a whole new brand into this? I, I, th I think McDonald's are looking at people who remember the past and when they did things, and they have the money like to sit lot, there and make a, a new lot building to and stuff. Exactly. No, it's, yeah. uh, not really. They've, they've I mean, proven it, though. They've built old style and gone back to retro, and people go, oh, but it was no, still McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. Sure it is. But it's that's what they, they go after people, what kids, what people remember as kids. Mm. And the others do it, too. I'm buying it. Oh, the one thing I will say... Well, you don't say, have to buy it. They like... figure there's... We have more <laughs> clients, else, uh, you know, yeah. that are... They, they have more clients that are over 30 years old, right? That's what they figure. They figure, like, they're not targeting wow. younger people. True. Thank you. I'll take no, that as a compliment. But that's why there's only 12 stores. <laughs> What's Sorry, up, Beth? What was that? I said the one thing I do admire about McDonald's, though, is the fact that, like, they are that company, in my opinion at least, that like never does change much. And like, no, you know, no, you true. know that you can go there and like get like your favorite thing. It's not yep. just gonna like right. miraculously yep. disappear off the menu. Oh my gosh, you're right. So like with with like this cosmic thing, like sure, like it sounds kind of cool. A fair experiment. But like like yeah, and like McDonald's is already so popular and I get it. It's a money grab like everything is, but I don't think they need to do that. I think they could just add like a few fancy things to the menu and everyone would still be like, oh, yeah. look, look what McDonald's Or like a throwback just... part to the menu and all this stuff. Yeah. But they're, they're just going all in with Cosmics and I'm wondering, wow, that's... Well, yeah, mm -hmm. but they're only doing a few stores too because they've got the money to do it. I, exactly. I don't think this will sell well. I just don't. Yeah. I would have rather them, like you guys say, just sprinkle it around and add these items. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they can be stopped for McDonald's. Like, like, you know. But they overhaul McDonald's locations and do that all the time. Let's go retro. Let's make this a 1990s. Exactly. Look. Why? Um, because we can. I'm done for that I'm too. I'm here for it if I can still get a Big Mac. Yep. That's right. And always will be able to. A quarter to. pounder. Beth, awesome. Thanks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for having me. Beth Deer joins us uh, for the buzz as she fills in for Bill Shackleton. She'll be back tomorrow, same time at the end of the first hour.
We have our roundtable coming up in hour two of the show. Mark Phoenix is going to be guesting on that. Also talking about uh, Governor General Mary Simon, about the 78 new appointees to the Order of Canada. Laura Bain is joining us for that conversation. But up next, we've got a great behind-the-scenes put-together mashup of our primetime Kelly and Remy special for you, courtesy of Megan McGraw, our visual producer. We'll be back to share that with you after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Launching Hour 2 of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. Available AMI-tv live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Times, Monday to Friday. We got two hours of great conversations for you. We just got out of one with Beth Deer coming to people uh, in parts of the U.S. I can't remember where she's at, Illinois maybe. But anyway, Kelsey, you talked about some of the donuts coming back at Timmy's. Now, does that spike your interest? Do you go in and, and look for these things? Do people tell you? Do you find out about them and go, oh, yeah, I did miss that donut? Um, no, I don't. I mean, none not of the above. Timmy's anyway, oh, okay. uh, none of the above. Really, I just heard about it on the news. Mm. They only teased the Dutchie, which I think was one of their absolute, you know, most well-known or most utilized ones that people you remember like the, the most. I just remember the name of it. I know. I remember. I don't like them. Uh, anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that I don't hate it, but uh, and then the others were to be a secret. The other ones that they were. Oh. Going to, I think there's four in total. They're bringing back. Oh, okay. Uh, as of this week, so I think they may be out. Well, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow's when they're doing it. Yeah. I feel like it was early January. I don't know when, for me, I would start thinking of food items on menus of places that I love as being nostalgic. I think it's not so much nostalgic. It's stuff they took away. And you remember how you guys said, you ask why? Yeah, when like would McDonald's it? wouldn't do it, right? Like, there's no. so many things. And I'm sure they have. Like, they used to have pizza. And that was a very short-lived thing. They took it away because it just didn't sell, just like possibly what we're seeing here. But they would never get rid of a cheeseburger. No. That's their staple food, what we know. So oh. I get that part. But I think for people, it's, what what the heck? The Dutchie was one of the most well-known Tim Hortons donuts. So why? And yeah. I'm sure there's a reason. But that's where all sorts of people will line up for them yeah. now. By the way, the Dutchie is a sweet square-shaped donut speckled with raisins. I'm out. Oh, well, let's see what else. Well, while we're doing some of the uh, piece we're going to do for you yeah. next, uh, for, maybe we'll see what if they, where they've released what yeah. the other ones are going to be. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, for the Dutchie, <laughs> can't believe that used to be a donut. All right, so we have a, a nice tape for you here that we're going to play. This is when we usually talk to Mary Mamaliti of kitchenconfession.com, our foodie, but she's under the weather. So instead, Megan McGraw, our visual producer, has put together a nice kind of behind-the-scenes look and a, a throwback to our primetime special that was taped in November, uh, late November, and we aired it on December 29th on AMI-tv. It is now available on AMI-plus and the AMI app, as well as YouTube and podcasts. It's available everywhere. But here's like a bit of a a uh, snippet of how things went on the day of for us.
I'm excited to be talking to comedian, storyteller, Dan Berger, who's going to be performing at the event today. Uh, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about your comedy and where people can find you? Absolutely great. I, um, I do comedy around Toronto. I am uh, currently writing for uh, The Squeaky Wheel, uh, you can, which is a show coming up on AMI next year. And I am uh, available online at um, Instagram, DanBarraBerger and DanBarraBerger.com. Before we get into today's show, I know you've done a lot of work with AMI. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that and how you got into uh, working with us and our teams here? For sure. Last year, I was uh, very lucky to be part of Breaking Character, which was a show about six, uh, uh, you know, artists with disabilities. Um, I was one of the six, and uh, I'm looking forward to see season two coming up. That's that's really exciting. That was my uh, my first real intro to to AMI, and uh, and you've got me back now. Oh, fantastic. And give us a little bit of a sneak peek. Uh, what kind of comedy do you do? What can we expect from the show today? I, um, I, I generally try to keep it clean, uh, <laughs> but I do talk a lot about, about living with low vision. Um, you know, write what you know. Uh, and my style, I try to be a little more dry, a little more like British-Irish sense of humor. Um, and, and so it's a kind of a little self-deprecating, but uh, I, I try to put in a bit of, bit of fun into it as well. Honestly, the dry humor is my favorite for sure. Dan, what are you most excited about today? I'm really excited. Well, I heard that there's going to be a mixologist, so I'm pretty excited for that. But uh, beyond that, I'm just I'm excited to to see the show live. Um, I haven't I, I I watch it on AMI, and so I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing it happen. Um, it's really really exciting and proud to be part of it. It's going to be great. We're excited to have you here today. Thanks. Thank you. Here's a little sneak peek into Dan Berger's performance on the night. An independent little boy, I'll get up there and I'll go myself. Uh, I, and I'll go, my table will get called, I'll walk up and I'll get my cane, uh, I've got my cane with me, and then I pick up my plate, and then like, well, I don't have a third hand, so how am I sitting? And then I end up having to put my cane between my knees and I'm doing some kind of like vaudeville soft shoe kind of thing, trying to grab what, whatever I can and, um, and I'm grabbing like what I what I hope is food. Um, yeah, so I, I grab things and and then I, I go back to uh, to what I hope was my table, and I have to then explain to sighted people what I've collected on my plate, and 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 I have to pretend like I took what I wanted, and and so. Yes, Aunt Meredith, that's right. I have half a multi-green bun and a handful of ziti and a decorative swan. Yeah, that's what, I'm, I'm keeping him. His mind's now. His name is Kevin, and he's perfect. Thank you. Next up, Grant interviews Catherine Belinka, co-founder and visionary behind Zerkova Vodka. What can we anticipate today? What, what are you going to be showing us today? So... I have been on Kelly and Radmu's show a number of times, and this is exciting because it's the first live show where we actually get to make cocktails and and experience the, the, that that action. So, so actually, um, what we'll be doing mm -hmm. is we will be exploring all of the different ways that people drink vodka. You know, they drink it straight or in a 
soda or a mixed drink or cocktail. So we'll be doing Caesars, martinis, vodka sodas, and also talking about how we can take care of our designated drivers with mocktails. How do we actually, you know, shift it up so that they're getting taken care of as well. It's kind of like all the secrets that go into making the perfect drink, enjoying it responsibly. Exactly, exactly. And so we've got quite the setup. We've got an entire Caesar station. We have an entire martini station. And then we have um, like next level sodas. So there's pomegranate and raspberry and lemon and limes that we're going to play with. I am... I am pretty stoked about this. And how would you describe what's the best part of a show like Kelly and Ramia or just being on a show like this today? So our brand is really all about honoring people, you know, being yourself, mixing well with others. And so, and we worked hard to have it be an inclusive brand in all ways, in terms of, you know, whether you drink vodka or not. Um, making it accessible in terms of price point and and not you know having it be super super expensive which prices everybody you know a lot of people out of enjoying the finest vodka so this is in line with our values brilliant well we're super excited to have you and we're looking forward to your set today thank you thank you for having me on the show i really i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be fun Last up, we caught up with some of the audience members from the show. Let's hear what they had to say. Uh, what did you think of the event today? I loved it. I think that Kelly and Ramia's vibe was pretty cool. The energy from the room was awesome. And you know how Kelly is with his jokes. So it's always good. You know what? There were many, but that band was fantastic. I gotta say, they were really, really good. It's hard to really like something you've never heard before, and they were playing originals. <laughs> they were so good. I think the energy of the crowd, um, the different guests, and the band, the band definitely pumped it up and, and really provided a lot of energy for the show, I think. The band brought the house they down. They did rock the house. They were awesome. I could feel the floor vibrating. The uh, band was really good. I loved their music, and I really loved the fact that they were able to play the Kelly and Romy intro. I thought that was a really cool touch. You know, it's really interesting because I have been part of Kelly and Romy since day one. Um, I remember when uh, Kelly came around and told me that I'd be reassigned to his show, and we kind of started talking about some of the elements that we might want to hear and picking the theme music. And I think for me, it was really cool to see the theme music of Kelly and, and company, now Kelly and Ramya, um, performed live. Uh, was really fun for me to see um, because I downloaded that track off of our uh, off of our music service uh, all the way back in 2016. <laughs> so it was really cool to see the evolution of that way. And um, I was just uh, mentioning to a friend that uh, the, the last time or, or a couple of years ago we had a, a special programming shot uh, was in the kitchen of, of AMI and just kind of packed with some of the staff who were floating around. But uh, to see the step up from something like that to in a venue with live band with uh, lots and lots of people was, was really, really exciting. What is it that uh, makes you a fan of Kelly and Ramya? Like, what's your favorite part of the show? The wide variety of topics, I think. Um, I'm really into the tech stuff because I'm a tech guy, to be honest with you. But they have a lot of other segments that interest me, too. And I find in every show, there'll be something that 
pops out at me that, that I'll find of interest. And I may have thought, oh, I don't know. And then, you know, I listened to the whole show and it's like, wow, that was awesome. It hooks you in, right? It does. And the chemistry between Kelly and Ramya, I think, can't be beat, in my opinion. I think they're fun group of people to be around. You know, even today, the, the energy they, they showed and the energy, even after the show, you know, just hearing them interacting with the crowd and, and interacting with them myself, they just have this energy about them. And they're very good at playing off of each other, I think. They're, they're, they're nice people. They're relaxed, and I like listening to them shoot the breeze. They, they seem so natural and comfortable. Um, well, meeting Kelly and Ramya was really cool. Um, I've heard a lot about Kelly over the years, and watching the show and um, like hearing the podcast, uh, it's really interesting. Um, you learn a lot of different things because all the topics are interesting and it's never the same. I love the content but I also love how the team works together you know you it's it's so much fun um, and it's just it's it's entertaining it's live it, there's something different all the time. What did you think of the audience? I thought it was so cool how familiar they were with the show. Well, you know, being with the show for a number of years, it's really cool to see a room full of people that have either been guests on the show or who have been contributors on the show or just kind of like friends uh, in, that have run in the same circles in the past. And um, it, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's a really great energy to, uh, to be a part of. So fun. And it's really nice to hear from Matt Agnew, of course. Um, and he is coming back this year as well. Looking forward to it. Shout out to Megan McGraw, to Grant Hardy, to everyone who was featured on this um, behind-the-scenes look at how that day went for us and snippets and samples and teasers of the actual primetime special as well, which, like I said, you can check out on AMI+. Plus on the AMI app on Android and Apple, as well as on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Taking a break and coming back to chat with Laura Bain about the Governor General Mary Simon, who recently announced 78 new appointees to the new uh, to the Order of Canada. That'll be a deep dive conversation. Be back with that. This is Kelly and Ramia. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. fun hearing from fans of the show and hearing from people who as as Matt put it you know just people who've run in the circles of Kelly and company slash Kelly and Ramia for years getting everybody in one room together and just celebrating recognizing having a lot of fun uh, that's what we did at our primetime special taping in late November last year and now it's available for everyone to check out Kels it was so Good. It was so nice for um, Megan to put this together, for Grant to kind of get a behind-the-scenes of people's reactions and responses to being part of our primetime special, and it's just overall a lovely memory to have. Oh, my goodness. Right off the top, just showing some of the stuff going on in there. Yep. In case people were wondering, it was just so much of the setup. We were blown away by uh, Apple Orchard's setup, all the equipment they had, all the people in place. It was new Would to us. Would you like to do that kind of thing once a year? Yeah, absolutely. It was very new to I mean, us. 
<laughs> Maybe the budget could manage it once a year. Yeah, I'm wink, wink, sure, nudge, but, nudge. Uh, also, know. by the way, just as a throwback to the conversation about Tim Hortons' um, donuts that are coming back because of their anniversary oh, celebration. Geez, thanks, I forgot to look. Yeah, yeah, we got the Dutchie and three others that are joining the um, limited edition bringing back of nostalgic donuts, and that is the blueberry fritter, cinnamon sugar twist, and walnut crunch. This is all starting oh, wow. January 10th for limited time only. So if you're interested, I'm in... a Walnut Crunch fan. Are the you? Other ones, they're not as well. They're retro, but they're not. I feel like blueberry fritter recent. would be nice, no? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it as much. I can eat it, but didn't like Even it sugar as crunch? much as the crunch. Yeah, but if I was gonna th those other ones more than mm -hmm. the Dutchie would be there other ones, go. I'd go after. Cinnamon is always good. So and the reasons too, but rummy is not on nope. board. No, no, not at all with that. Uh, folks, I, one of the great things is we get a chance to check around the country. We do it with our community reporters. We do it with so many people that join our program all the time. Every first Thursday of the month, we're joined by Laura Bain, who brings us accessibility news from the East Coast. And Laura, welcome back. Happy New Year. I Happy New Year. really love the first item we're going to start with because the other day I was watching the news here locally and a fellow who puts together our big Sunfest, Alfredo Fedora's off to you, buddy. He is also being uh, honored by, of course, receiving the Order of Canada. Now, um, Governor General Mary Simon recently announced 78 new appointees to the Order of Canada. Laura, will you fill us in on more? Um, yeah, that's right. So uh, the Order of Canada is the highest level of distinction in the Canadian honour system, just to give a little bit of background. And it's given to people who are considered to have made an extraordinary contribution to the country. So there's three levels. There's companion, which is the highest, and officer and member. So as you mentioned, this honour was given to 78 recipients this year from a wide variety of disciplines, including artists, writers, advocates, um, uh, you know, people from the fields of science and medicine, so on. Uh, so one appointee that I thought that people might recognize is George Strombolopoulos, just a name oh, that a course. lot of people know, particularly <laughs> if you're my age, you might remember him from his time as a much music VJ and from the host of his uh, CBC show, The Hour. So he was appointed as a member for his contributions to Canadian media and journalism. So just kind of showing that it's from a real range of disciplines that they, uh, they give these to people. Um, okay, so what about the recipients recipients from your region, which is Atlantic Canada? Yeah, that's right. Um, so there were lots of recipients from Atlantic Canada. All four Atlantic provinces were uh, represented. I want in particular to start by highlighting Deantha Edmonds from Newfoundland and Labrador, who was appointed as a uh, member of the Order of Canada for her significant contributions as Canada's first Inuk professional opera singer, as well as her original mm. compositions and her mentorship of young Indigenous musicians. And I believe we actually have a clip that we're going to play uh, that I selected, and this is of her singing How Beautiful Are the Feet from Handel's Messiah. And this is her own adaptation where she's singing in Anutatut. So if we mm. want to give that a little listen. I don't know what to do. I don't have any way to adjust it. Gorgeous. I love it. Oh, that felt Beautiful. way too short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really a nice clip, and 
I love, Laura, what you brought up about the fact that these are people from a variety of disciplines, walks, and there's the different orders you can get due to the fact that to be so inclusive. I, and I'm not sure how many people they try to average, how many, I think, I, I'm sure it's just a, let's find those deserving that we want to recognize and stuff like that. Can we talk about if there was anyone to, to your recollection from the disability community? Yeah, for sure. Um, now, I did go through the full list of all of the recipients and like read through their achievements. And I was sort of surprised that disability didn't come up more and work within the disability community, mm. um, especially given like kind of, you know, all the policy things that have been happening at a national and provincial level. Mm -hmm. But one exception and one recipient that stood out to me also from the province of Newfoundland and Labrador is Francine Lemur. And she was honored for her accomplishments as a Paralympic cross-country skier, as well as for her contributions to family medicine. Um, so I hadn't heard the name before, but um, that's because, you know, maybe it was a few years ago, she represented Canada in the 1984 and 88 Winter Paralympic Games, winning gold in 88. But she also had over a 40-year career in family medicine, practicing wow. in particular in Cornerbrook. And then she went on to become the CEO of the College of Family Physicians. So I think it's cool to be honored kind of on both fronts. But one reason mm -hmm. I really wanted to bring that forward is because we don't hear a lot about uh, physicians with disabilities no. so i thought that was really cool i love that that is so amazing and again i you know i know we get into this well okay no you know the, because if you spoke to her she well, guys i did what i wanted to do it was what i aspired to do i did it and and i i get all that um but it's just something so amazing because like you say we we don't maybe hear of this person because they're going about their business and this is the mm -hmm. only way we can get that chance to to really recognize them so i i, I love that that was really incredible yeah yeah, well, they're just out there doing the work. Exactly. Yeah. And let's continue lot. recognizing that diversity because you wanted to highlight Elder Albert Marshall from Nova Scotia. Yeah, and this is someone that I was familiar with. So Eld Elder Albert Marshall is from the Mi'kmaq community of Eskasoni here in Cape Breton. And he's particularly well known for his concept of two-eyed seeing. And so this is something that has come up in my social work program is why I'm familiar with it. So two-eyed seeing, it's a way of approaching issues that brings together Indigenous and kind of Euro-Western ways of looking at things. So to quote from Marshall, who will explain it a lot better than I would, two-eyed seeing refers to learning to see from one eye with the strengths of Indigenous ways of knowing and from the other eye with the strengths of Western ways of knowing and of using both of these eyes together. So it's a much more holistic approach and it can help with the issue of culture clash, and Indigenous knowledge being marginalized within certain disciplines, so in particular like Indigenous students and Indigenous per, um, professionals being marginalized. And if we think of like research, so this is how it came up in my program because we talk a lot about research in social work and being done from like a Euro-Western paradigm, the researcher is viewed as being objective and kind of necessarily separate from whatever they're mm -hmm. studying but right. from an indigenous perspective there's an emphasis on interconnection and relationship between things so you know historically there's been a lot of done research done on indigenous communities by like western scientists and that's has done harm to these communities and participants and also the research hasn't been <laughs> like as good as it could have been so um you know at a minimum two-eyed seeing means involving 
the community in shaping the research, but it's also kind of more importantly a way for Indigenous people um, to bring their traditional knowledge into their professional work. So maybe they um, have been trained in a like Western fashion in university and they're not having to kind of take an either or having to choose or feel like they're sort of cutting off a part of themselves. So um, just really important work that he's done and it's being integrated into a lot of university programs across the country and a lot of different important research projects. Interesting because so many times, like you say with the Western, we're observing. We're standing by, observing to try to figure out what conclusions we can draw and how we can support and help. And I love the the one eye does this from that level, one eye sees from this this perspective. Um, and I think, Laura, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, again, trying to enlighten it too much to the disability community. But I think we tend to hope that people will look out one of our eyes and get some kind of concept and appreciation and understanding so that we can solve some of the troubles and issues that might be out there or at least be relatable. Yeah, well, it's really this sort of myth, myth of objectivity that has ex mm. existed in a lot of academic disciplines, you know, um, where we have kind of come to understand that this like quote unquote objectivity actually holds a lot of bias that comes from a privileged perspective. So absolutely, I think this is something that is being seen as this sort of like breakdown of this traditional separation of the researcher as objective because really none of us are ever objective and the knowledge that we're using never comes from a place of object, uh, like being objective, it is informed by our backgrounds and our learnings and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura, we'll switch uh, directions here. Just going to go uh, down a different road. Today is World Braille Day, and you wanted to bring this forward because you are in that process of learning Braille. Cool. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure if you guys, have you guys talked about it yet on the show today that it's World Braille Day? Uh, Kelly did a shout-out for Double Tap. Yeah, just, yeah, because I was with the gang on Double Tap today talking Braille. Yeah, right on. Um, so yeah, it is World Braille Day, and this happens every year on January 4th. And the reason for that date is because it honors Louis Braille. That was his birthday, aka the kid who invented the system of Braille. Um, so World Braille Day, it was only first celebrated in 2019 after a proclamation from the United Nations. So it is a relatively new thing if people are thinking, well, I haven't heard of World Braille Day. Why didn't I hear about that when I was in school? But you know, I know you guys have talked a lot about Braille on the show, but I think it's just important to highlight it and mention the day because Braille really fell out of popularity, in my opinion, um, kind of in the 90s and early 2000s because people thought that technology screen readers was basically going to replace it. But now we have a better understanding of just how essential Braille is for blind people's independence and in particular how important it is that blind uh, and partially sighted youth are taught Braille. Um, so I do wish I was fully proficient in it. Um, as you mentioned, I am taking Braille lessons right now, or I, I started attending a Braille group that's informal, and that works a little bit better for me than something you have to attend every time. Right. Um, but I do have a schedule conflict now, which makes it a little more challenging. But, you know, reading Braille would allow me to do things like uh, give a speech, for example, and read from my notes, because that's not easy to do when you're listening to a screen reader, mm. or say, like trying to find your place in, you know, a, on a on an iPad or 
printed documents where you've right. got 40 point font, um, which is what I'm doing now. When you guys, <laughs> when I do these segments, I've got it blown up huge on my screen and it's so easy to lose my place. Right. But people sure. didn't think of that when they thought, oh, technology is going to replace it all. So, you know, there's lots of things like music and math and poetry that all really kind of lend themselves to mm -hmm. Braille and not necessarily to a screen reader. But I was just kind of curious about you folks. I know, Kelly, I think at least you learned it in school, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. at W. Ross. But do yep. either of you kind of read Braille or use it in your daily lives at all? I took it upon myself to learn grade one Braille uh, as a late teenager, young adult, because I didn't have it growing up, Laura. In fact, I was discouraged from learning it because um, a lot of people in my life at, at the influential time uh, of being in kindergarten, they were like, no, you have enough vision. Just be a low vision person and use large print. Um, and eventually I was like, I would really love to learn Braille. I feel like there's a lot more three-dimensional understanding of a language when you can um, feel comfortable reading, understanding punctuation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not great with grade two yet, but it's what I love is that we can all share different journeys of learning Braille because the resources are out there for adult learners, for people who already know the language but are just learning Braille now or uh, can kind of take their time with it as well. Mm -hmm. People say sometimes that it's slower. It's not. Of course not. And there's so no. many different conveniences that you can use, such as picking up a calendar if you if you have access, if you have access, because some of the things are less now. I mean, I think the, the world of computers we spoke about on the show today really was helpful to understand how that has moved Braille forward. And one of the things mm -hmm. I am liking it to is when people use print writing. We're getting rid of paper as much as we can, going to a paperless environment. And a lot of that may mean yeah. you're not sitting there with a Perkins Brailler and brailing, but... And physically having Braille, maybe you are. Maybe you're using it for tactile for a map or directions, whatever it might be. But a huge part it's of universal design. Living, right. Mm -hmm. It's still living with whether it's a screen, a Braille screen, whether whatever you might be able to use it for. Having that access in certain circumstances are wonderful. I mean, Laura, you know, doing stand-ups for AMI TV, it's a bit tough out in the field, you know, standing there with any paper flapping around, whether it be Braille or or print. But I really am liking it to the differences that people have doing print work, writing, and utilizing technology as well. Hey, man, we're doing the same with Braille in different ways. So no, no, it's not dead. It, it's really surfacing and being used differently, just like print. Thanks, Laura. Mm. Yes, and I should mention I do have a Perkins Brailler on uh, on the table behind me oh. that I uh, dug out as from uh, <laughs> when, when I was a teenager. I dug it out of my parents' basement, and I've been relearning on that. But yeah, it can relate to so much of what you guys have each just said about it, and of course about that intersection of technology and Braille and how it is kind of moving it forward. Well, the only thing I hate with mine is I don't use it enough and often have to fix it because it gets stuck. But mine, I got when I was 10 years old, so I hear you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thank you. That's Laura Bain. And the on the uh, first Thursday of the month, uh, we talk to her and get accessibility news from the East Coast. After the break, we have our weekly roundtable staple Thursday conversation with Kelly, who picks the topics, myself, and our guests of the week. This time, we're checking in with Mark Phoenix. We'll be right back with that on Kelly and Romia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. We're here, Kelly and Ramya. 
2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv Monday to Friday, as well as 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio Monday to Friday. And you can check us out on your favorite podcast platform whenever. We have uh, segments out for you every day that you can easily share and listen to, as well as the full show podcast with a vanity card on the end. Kelsey, through to today's vanity card yesterday. Yes, tobogganing. Tobogganing. Out in the snow. And some fun with that because we were talking about those. We had a lot of snow talk yesterday yeah. with mazes and skating. So uh, I, I threw to tobogganing today on it. You know, we are often saying like, oh, the weather's kind of nice. It's pretty mild. But the people who are really loving winter or love the winter activities, I should say, are probably missing snow. Oh, they're parts getting of the mad country. down here. I mean, Super. like the poor tubers. You know, they yeah. want to get out there and get tubing. So, yeah. folks, it's time as we roll into our next segment, it's time to bring on the weekly roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Still a lot of space stuff going on out there. We're going to talk to Mark about this in just a moment. As we bring him on, Mark Phoenix rejoining us on the roundtable. We'll have Mark on here regularly. Folks, we, this is an open conversation with different subjects that I find I bring out. And we chat a little bit about them and kick them around and just give some old perspective and feeling. Mark, happy uh, new year. And I've been hearing for this year one of the things to look forward to, and we know you like all this, so much space stuff going on starting with the eclipse in April. I was going to say space. Someone said space. Spaceware. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> uh, yes, the April eclipse, which fortuitously will be passing directly over my nice little island out here in the, on the East Coast. Uh, April 7th, 2024, the second eclipse to cross the North American continent in seven years after the 2017 eclipse. And mm. yes, totality will be going right across the U.S., right up through the Great Lakes, I believe, if you're... Yep, uh, yep. And if, if you're in Niagara Hamilton, Falls, Ontario here is yep. supposedly the best area to see it. You're going to get a heck of a show, I tell you. Wow. Uh, anything else uh, through the next year you're looking forward to? I mean, we've got a cruise past the moon, lots of things like that going on. Oh, cruise past the moon. I need some more details on that. Well, I know, um, I think I've seen some reports about India trying to get a moon mission uh, mm -hmm. going. Mexico will actually be sending a probe to the moon in the near future, as I just found out oh. a couple of days ago. Yeah. Okay. It, it's yeah, getting busy some, out there. It, it, yeah, it I, is. I think some probes, too. <laughs> I think some probes to gather stuff from Mars and so on. So, mm -hmm. Rum, There's I know. a lot going on. Rum, do you know of any of this stuff? Like, have you ever... Nope, I keep posting on these segments with you guys. That's how you... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. San Francisco finally has installed nets to stop suicides off the Golden Gate Bridge. Nearly 2,000 people have plunged to their deaths since the bridge opened in 1937. Iron worker Ed Reyes says the nets are on both sides of the bridge. It's stainless steel, and it's, it has some give in it, uh, and it's designed to catch people as they fall into the net. Dana Whitmer's son committed suicide at the Golden Gate Bridge in 2007. Suicides by so many methods have decreased, and Golden Gate Bridge is the only one that's increased. Whitmer doesn't think her son would have jumped if the nets were there. They're going to go, well, I can't do this. Um, let me go find another method. Critics say it's a lot of money to spend to deter people who are determined to end their lives and who will just find another way to do it. I'm Ed Donahue. Ramya, we hear this critics. And again, I, I felt that you probably would have that exact reaction to that. Uh, also, the mom 
And again, I think some people might say, well, what do you mean? What, like, how does that help you? Your son would just find somewhere else to go if those nets were there. But I think in a parent's position, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe that's the moment that he needs to go somewhere else Literally. and someone intervene or something change his mind, whatever. I look for anything else if it's a deterrent. Um, but that la reaction of yours about critics saying, and sometimes I think they say this stuff to get your reaction. I mean, well, um, you, but yeah, it, it, like I can understand it from a logistical point of view. If somebody is thinking of suicide, if somebody is legitimately thinking of and methodically thinking of how to end their life, then perhaps these measures of deterrence, um, specifically at the Golden Gate Bridge, is not going to be, you know, what saves that person's life. But I'm thinking more of what the, the mother had pointed out, which is you get up there and you realize the precautions that have been put up there for specifically your kind of scenario, what you are up there for, and there might be a separate moment for you, right? Something that's different from what you've been experiencing on the spiral of mental health that has led you to this moment. And it really upsets me that people don't think of these nuances, think of how a moment can change a person's trajectory and whether that be moment on a moment on the Golden Gate Bridge or a conversation that somebody had with you or whatever. But these moments are real, right? A lot of people have been saved from suicide attempts from one way or another. Well, we're forgetting, too, is all these things are implemented, Mark. There's a safety element to this, too. If they're ever doing work on the bridge sure. and someone slips, falls, whatever, or just something like that happens, there's the potential for that. But when we get into a value on something, well, I don't know what this thing costs, how long it's going to be good for before being needing to be replaced. So when people say that, is it worth the cost? Well, I, I was always taught that no matter what we can do medically to help someone, to mm. deter someone from whether it's a, a health incident, whether it's some, a crisis like this, like we're talking, it's worth it. Absolutely. This is not something where nickel and diming should be brought into the issue. I know in Toronto years ago, um, a net-like structure was constructed around the oh, Prince Edward the Viaduct along Bloor. Yeah. Because that was a an unfortunately popular spot for people to take their last step. And they also added um, crisis line phones on either end of the viaduct, this bridge that goes over the Don Valley Parkway. And it's proven effective. Now, you know, yes, there are people who they're done. They, they're done with this existence. They're tired. They just want out. Sure, they might come to that, see that and go, okay, I'll find another method. But for people for whom they're in pain and who might have a chance to reach out mm. and might be tempted to do something on the spur of a moment, that net might stop them and make them think, well, do I really want to do this? Right. There's yeah. a documentary about people who survived that jump. And my understanding is in every single case, they felt intense regret the moment they took that leap. Mm -hmm. So this is not for the people who are really intent on they're done with this life. This is for the people who are hurting, who feel immense pain, but they might be reachable. Uh, they might be able to turn around, you know, turn, you know, turn their head and think, Okay, maybe yeah. this isn't the day. Maybe there is something that I can hold on to in this life at this point and not, you know, check out at this time. Very good. Thanks, guys. Because, again, I know we hear about the money. I understand those who feel that viewpoint of this, is not, this isn't going to save lives. And I, I think we've just proven, um, yeah, it is. Even if it's that long walk back 
across the bridge to Oakland or to Frisco uh, where you decide, you know what, something else is going mm. on or I got something else to, or who knows what could intercede, you know, intervene at that time. Um, I want to talk about a new CBC comedy, One More Time is the name of it, stars Canadian comedian DJ Demers, who used to work with us over at AMI. He's a hard-of-hearing manager uh, of a second-hand sporting goods store. Now, he and his crew of his eccentric uh, staff members, they navigate the, the, um, the day-to-day of working in a small business. DJ, of course, has uh, a hearing impairment. Here's his comments here. When it comes to thinking of people that may actually see him and those who can relate to him might be able to inspire others in the deaf community. Uh, I hear a lot from uh, the deaf community just from my stand-up and whatnot. The show's not out yet, so we haven't heard anything from them, but I I am curious how, how they'll receive it. I, I've never seen somebody with hearing aids in such a prominent role on TV, so I'm hoping that, you know, there's some 10-year-old kid watching TV and sees me with hearing aids and feels some sort of positive way about that. That would be a cool kind of uh, byproduct of this funny show we're trying to make. You know, Mark, we talk a lot about people who kind of just want to fly below the radar, not really interested in that, maybe not even in the position based on what they do, their work, their life, their hobbies, whatever. But you hear DJ talk about that and kind of being aware of, hey, this is my job. People have reached out to me who have hearing impairment, as, as I'm sure we've had people ask questions, whether they be sighted or low vision or blind, uh, about what, maybe what you do or how you do something. Um, how do you feel about this kind of thing? Is there a curiosity that you've had and when it comes to this kind of thing? And have you ever had anyone approach you? Um, I haven't had that experience at this time. I mean, I'm not that big a star, really. <laughs> Certainly you not are, a DJ DeMaris level star. You are here. I'm a star to you. Heck yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I have often been curious about, you know, the people who do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff in media in particular over the years. And I've known a couple of fellow blind audio people, uh, including, you know, one who uh, I think you've had on this show uh, before, uh, works at a radio station, Kevin Shaw. Mm-hmm. He worked oh, yeah. at uh, oh, yeah. he worked at a community radio station for a long time as their technical coordinator, and he had some absolutely wizard tools for getting things done. Um, in front of the camera, you know, people talk about representation, you know, seeing people and hearing people who are like you on screen, you know, like, uh, you know, th- these characters exist. Well, these people also exist behind the camera, and I think it was more impactful for me to learn about, you know, people who were making these shows happen, who are doing the mixes, who are working on set, who, you know, you involved in, you know, how the sausage gets made. Mm-hmm. Um, and people with disabilities. It can be hard to find those Absolutely. people, though. It, it can be hard to find them, right, Mark? Because, it, it, it as certainly you say, you is. guys are behind the scenes. And we're behind the scenes, and we're maybe not always necessarily broadcasting, I'm disabled and doing yeah. this job. No. Yeah. I'm just doing this job. But it's good to know that there are people with various disabilities and differing levels of ability who are doing these jobs, who are making these things happen and putting this programming together that you are hearing and seeing on your screen right now. It's kind of neat. I think um, the, the 
the point that you're making, Mark, is also prevalent here with DJ's role because he's talking about, you know, just an everyday person working in an everyday job in customer service, I guess, and uh, somebody at home watching a show like this and getting that same sense, right? Obviously, this person is playing a role on TV, but what you're getting is just that representation of a person who's hard of hearing, who's working. And it, comedy is always such a great way to kind of bring across the 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 laughs and the the struggles um, of living a life with a disability. So I love that this is approach. I think of Superstore and characters in there, and just you know um, shows where I enjoy people with disabilities being represented, but in funny ways where we could joke around the, about the serious stuff, but also have serious conversations just kind of built in there. Absolutely. In the, the first pilot, one for oh, go ahead, Mark. Okay. Well, it's good. actually the first uh, case of representation that hit me as a kid was the character of Jordy LaForge on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right, yeah. The blind chief engineer of the Starship Enterprise. I mean, that's pretty cool to a low vision or blind kid. Like, yeah, the person who's responsible for keeping this thing in space, he can't see either. It's like, mm. wow. Mm -hmm. And he has all these slick tools and this cool visor. I wanted the visor. I still want oh, the yeah. visor. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, gee, Mark, I wouldn't mind that now if I could find a way. Um, Absolutely. Guys, I, I'll say this. The pilot, uh, which premieres of, of the program, uh, is on January 9th. DJ's hearing aids malfunction after he uh, loses a dunk tank competition. Oh, dear. Oh, I wonder no. why they malfunction. <laughs> and he proceeds to give customers bad advice. Based on his uh, lip reading spills, <laughs> uh, I think we can relate to all of that, and that is totally up his alley uh, in his viewpoint. One star of the color purple had a really grueling audition process to get Oprah Winfrey's coveted role. Several performances in the new film version of The Color Purple getting a lot of attention, including Danielle Brooks, who plays Sophia. No. The role that scored Oprah Winfrey an Oscar nomination in 1986. Brooks played the role on Broadway, and she tells me she wanted to continue Sophia's journey on film, but it wasn't easy. It was a six-month audition process, and it was hard, and I had to remove my ego because uh, when I did this in 2015 for a year of my life, I was Tony-nominated and had won a Grammy. The Color Purple is out now in theaters. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. Speaking of ego, Rum, what kind of six-month thing would you put into, where would you put your effort into six months of working on something and be able to throw that ego away and say, uh, I can't go with the fact that I won an award doing this before, that I kicked butt doing this for a year, uh, or whatever it is. Is there something particular that you know you would be that person to go after a, something like this? Doesn't have to be, you know, music, theater, it could be. Well, I was just going to say, it, it can't be music or theater because it's I've never gotten to that place where you know I was so determined or so dedicated but I will say and it's gonna sound like a given but on this show here right like every day we're putting away ego and every day we're learning things and every day we're getting critique feedback whatever it may be and especially when we hear from audience members through the you know research and deep dive into the show uh, and hear about like the commentary that they have on our hosting or preferences or all these other things I'm like okay I gotta Put it all away and just go in like a sponge. Mark, anything come to mind? Well, uh, curiously enough, when I first came on to AMI and its predecessor, 
I had to learn to describe video. I had never done describe mm. video. I, I hadn't even extensively used the software that was used to produce described video. So I, you know, I'd spent a few years being kind of the tech guy at a radio station. And I had to kind of start from scratch as it was to, you wow. know, kind of learn the craft, learn the software, you know, knock off the rust from dealing with television, which is something that I hadn't really fiddled around with since university. Um, so it kind of had to, you know, relearn that whole side of the industry. Um, there was also kind of when I actually got hired to that prior job at the radio station where I had to, you know, knuckle down and quickly put a demo together, you know, work out the software they were using. There's a common theme here, you know, work, you know, <laughs> relearning other companies' software. Um, yeah. but you know, in all cases, you know, in all cases, when, you know, trying to learn a new job, trying to get hired at a place, you don't want to go in with your nose in the air thinking, I know everything and I know how to do everything. No, you don't. And you're going to learn that real fast in your first few days. Mm. And I find people with disabilities, we really go for it. And when we're given that opportunity, we try. Guys, we're out of time. Mark, thanks as usual for making uh, time to be with us. Always a pleasure. Glad to be on. We do the roundtable every Thursday here on the show. We thank Mark Phoenix for joining us. Taking a quick break and coming back to wrap the show up with you, including some anticipated beauty trends of 2024. And now with Dave Brown, tell you what's coming up on the Friday edition. Be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. We would stop chit-chatting so we can get through content, but that's obviously an oxymoron. All we do is chit-chat here on the show. Remember to check out the podcast of Kelly and Rumia. We do upload daily, and we have its segment and full show podcast. Also available on podcast is Now with Dave Brown, the morning show on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. Eastern time every weekdays. And we've got a teaser for the Friday edition of the show. Kels, what's up on the First show tomorrow? Well, their first Friday news panel with Michelle McQuig and Joey Deguta from The Pulse, they joined Dave to discuss some of the big stories of the week, including a survey that indicates some Ontario hospitals workers are very dissatisfied with their jobs and working conditions. In fact, a survey of 750 workers showed that 41% regret going to work. Huh. The panel will discuss that if uh, these numbers are any different than uh, employees in other professions, as a matter of fact, the panel will also consider what can be done to deal with chronic uh, staffing shortages in the hospital sector. Laura Bain will be back on their program tomorrow morning with the Entertainment Report, and Greg David from Mar Mar AMI's Marcom department will be uh, previewing some of the new shows on AMI-tv. Looking forward to all that and more on the Friday edition of Now with Dave Brown. Tune in live at 9 Eastern, 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Okay, so I found some uh, big, big beauty slash makeup trend predictions for 2024, according to makeup artists. Okay, so if you've been paying attention in 2023, a lot of this stuff is apparently here to stay in 2024. It's going to be all about skin. We're talking bare skin and skin tints, because a lot of people are appreciating that um, clean face makeup, no makeup routine, right? So hair back and face clean. Also, cream products, which I didn't know that this was a big deal, but apparently blushes, eyeshadows, bronzers are all coming back and staying in cream form. So pay attention to that as well. Uh, blurred out lips. This is the one that I wanted to ask you about, Kel. So blurred out lips. 
In contrast to the super defined 90s type of lift, this is a soft, subtle, ultra French chic look of the the lip. I feel like we need more of a description on what that even means. Wow. Yeah, blurred yeah. out lips. Ooh. I don't even know. Mm. Anyways, I can't get into this one, but monochromatic products is also known as multitasking products. So we'll talk more about that later when I'll do another closing moment. On tomorrow's show, we are talking about Microsoft Copilot, which is now available on iPhones and iPads. We'll talk about that on the app update. And we got the chatty bookshelf where we'll talk about the first online AI bookstore. Be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Lately on the show, uh, with things to do over the winter, the skating trails come up. I think a lot about tobogganing, and for people outside of Canada, it's not something you wear, it's something you do. Uh, sledding, uh, whether it's a long sled that you stretch your legs out, or the old flying saucers, or any of the new gadgets they have today, and some pretty fancy ones, I will add. But when I was a kid, uh, we, we used to love going out and having so much fun sledding down hills. And I was lucky, I lived at the base of a ski hill here in London, Ontario. But I remember sometimes when I was rendezvousing with somebody else and, and it was a, a girl I went to school with at the blind school was from London and we and another buddy who was blind as well, we'd all go tobogganing. Our parents would take us. And again, we were like 10, 12 years old and they'd take us to what we called St. Joseph's Hill. And we loved it. I have a lot of fun on it, but it was so crowded. And I remember one particular day, it was bright and sunny, and I did okay outside, but with snow and brightness, no, no way. Uh, it, it was just I was totally squinting and my eyes all crunched up, and I could see more than I can now. But, And I remember us going down this hill, whipping down it. And you have to remember, uh, I think our moms were up at the top just chatting away, watching us go. So we get up, yeah, grab our sled, and I think we had somebody's one of those magic carpets or or one of the ones you just, it's a sled, you hang on, and there was like three of us could get on it then. And we grab it, we have it above our heads, we're walking up the hill, and someone else clips our legs out from under us. Now later, the witnesses, our parents, would say, it was really interesting because obviously we saw it starting to happen, couldn't do anything about it, and all of a sudden there was a cloud of snow with feet sticking out the top of it. Now, thankfully, no one was hurt. We didn't hit the kids that hit us with our sled. They totally, literally, cleanly took us out. Whoa! We were, we were down. Didn't even really know what happened. It happened so fast. But we'll never lose that image, blind or not, of a cloud of snow, all that white, and boots sticking out the... Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.